the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. And, you know, as this year is starting off, it's it's amazing. There are so many things happening. Washington's crazy. My state, California, we're crazy. Well, we've been crazy. But joining me on this special show here, um, I have some very special friends. I have Stan Campbell, who I love to have on the show. He's so busy, I can't get him out here all the time. I call him. He says, hey, Phil, I'm flying to Bermuda. Sorry. No, man, I, I'm out in Paris. I know it's closed, but they opened it for me. Finally, we get him on the show here. So Stan Campbell from CCW Safe. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you, Phil. And, and I'm just busy running around the nation dodging the coronavirus. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that's I'm, what it was. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm zigzagging. I'm zigzagging. <laughs> now, Don, you have two special guests also that you brought on. We have Don West. Don West has been a criminal defense attorney. He's a national trial counsel. He's been... He's been a use of force expert, a use of force in criminal trial. You might have seen his name in the, the Trayvon Martin uh, fiasco. He's been on the show before. And Don, welcome to the show. Thank you, Phil. Nice to be back. And we also have Rob High. Now, Rob is new to the show, but we're glad to have him. He's retired law enforcement out of Oklahoma City, and he's a use of force expert. So these are our experts that we're talking about today. And we've got some amazing information for you because, frankly, guys, this is a tough time and you really need to know what you're doing to make sure you don't end up on the wrong side of a law you didn't even know existed. Stan, you want to uh, talk about something that we're all dealing with out here. In, in your states, they call them red flag laws. Out here, we have firearm restraining orders. You want to give a little bit about that and how you guys can help? Well, you know, um, we, we just at the turn of the year, and like I said, it's, it's crazy out there. And, and a lot of these um, governors and legislative legislative people are um, kind of a, attacking gun owners, and one of the things that they're doing out there, um, and it got really popular last year in 2020, and it's still moving, is uh, extreme risk protective orders, um, red flag laws. You guys call it, you know, um, what you just did. Um, firearm, say it again. Yours is the firearm uh, restraining orders. Restraining orders. So uh, as we always do, we try to stay ahead of uh, the, the, the game in our industry. And we added that benefit to our plans, so our concealed carry plans. So now we, we have it so that, um, you know, cause, uh, and, and what that really means is that, you know, the government and uh, they can now, you know, place an order in and let Don talk about a little bit more uh, to confiscate your firearms. And this is without a use of force. 
And normally we don't cover anything outside of use of force, but we decided to add special benefits to our our, our plans now. So our our um, ultimate plan will be covering ten thousand dollars going toward uh, lawyers' fees uh, for hearings associated with that, and all the rest of our plans that are uh, concealed carry plans will cover five thousand dollars toward those fees. Um, and, and Don, can you give me a little bit more on on that type of um, um, scenario? <laughs> Uh, sure. The the laws are different uh, among the various states that have these red flag laws. But the idea is that if someone presents as a danger and they are known to possess or own firearms, there are some limited circumstances in which uh, a police officer, sometimes a district attorney, uh, a family member or even a stranger that witnesses these things can apply to the court for an order that results in the subject of it having to surrender firearms pending then further proceedings. The real challenge, I think, and the real constitutional question is the amount of due process, if any, that you get in this process. Sometimes the orders are entered ex parte, meaning without the person even having an opportunity to present why they shouldn't be required to surrender their firearms. So it, it's pretty controversial. It also, I, I think, can frankly be dangerous uh, that people haven't really thought that through completely in some places where the police show up on your door and demand that you turn over your firearms. So it's a, a work in process. It's really controversial. The more due process you get in the jurisdiction, the better um, the better the process will be and the more likely there will be some benefit to society come out of it. But it's controversial. And, and um, Stan, as you were saying, CCW Safe now believes that under those circumstances, one of, a, one of the benefits that we should provide is legal protection in that situation. We can't stop it from happening, but if it happens, uh, we provide counsel and uh, pay for the expenses necessary to defend against the action. So one of the, the major problems with this is it can be used vindictively against an innocent person and being ex parte, you don't even know about it. So an ex-business partner, some guy's ex-girlfriend, whatever, she decides that, well, to make a complaint or he decides that whatever it is, somebody makes a, a unwarranted complaint, but the police have to act on this. So they decide to search a warrant. You don't know what's coming. They could have called you up at your work and said, hey, here's what we have. We need to come to your house. But they like the four o'clock in the morning thing. So boom, the door gets kicked in, you're roused, you grab a pistol because there's something happening at your house. You're not a criminal. You're not expecting police to show, show up. Now you've got a gun in your hand, you're shot dead. Why? Because somebody made a claim against you. And will they fill a, fix that out in the court? It doesn't matter. You're leaking on the floor and you only can leak so long before things don't matter to you. So there's a danger in that. I, I think that it could be easily abused by vindictive people. And Lord knows there's a few vindictive people in this world. Oh, absolutely. And then also, Phil, and, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that type of scenario because, um, you know, everyone that, that has firearms that responsibly own, you know, owners, you have to know that if something like this does happen, um, in most cases, they are going to come 
eight to five. They're going to come during the day. They're not going to kick in your door at four o'clock in the morning to, to come confiscate your weapons. Well, that would, that would be smarter. Just say, yeah. Hey, here's what we have. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's because of that danger, because trust me, I, I've, I've done a lot of drug raids. I've done over 700. I don't know how many, um, you know, uh, Rob has done, but you know, they're going to come during the daytime and they are going to have uh, an official document from a judge. And the main thing will be at that time, you do need to keep a cool head and, um, you know, follow through with the um, the order, the order, because um, you don't want to challenge them nor defend them or, or you know, make a move to uh, try to stop law enforcement from doing that. Um, because you are going to cause yourself some grief um, because you don't want to get into a shootout or anything. We're not allowed to cover things like that, you know, and, and, and most um, organizations would not cover you having a gun battle over your, your confiscated weapons. It's best to just go ahead and, and go through the process and, and try to figure this thing out. And that's the reason why we came up with this, this coverage is because you need to have somebody that has your back and, you know, you don't want to come out of pocket either. Uh, you know, utilize someone else's money to to fight that fight and then, you know, have a, a lawyer in place instead of just trying to fight it on your own. So, yeah, just really be careful about that. It, I mean, it, it, it's scary times out there. You know, everyone's a little nervous. Um, I mean, th- there are crosshairs on those who who, who own weapons. Um, uh, these gun laws are ridiculous, especially in your state. So, I, I mean, just be mindful out there, guys. Be mindful. Yeah. Um, the other way you could reduce this is don't date crazy people. Right. Keep them out of your life. <laughs> <Don't> make, <laughs> make good decisions from the beginning. Crazy people are fun, Phil. I don't know about that. <laughs> OK, don't don't give them your real address. Exactly. exactly. That's what we want. Stan, Stan, what's your name you use again? I don't even remember. It's been so long since I've messed with you with the name. You need to stop it. Very good. Folks, Philip David firing that radio show with my friends here at CCW Safe, CCWSafe.com. I've got Don West, Dan Campbell, and Rob High. We're going to come back here, talk about what to do and what not to do, and uh, hopefully want to keep everybody safe. Uh, You know, we do have an opportunity to carry concealed. I think that's a right, and I'm, I'm glad people are doing it, but we need to make sure we don't mess things up. So, folks, Philip Naiman, FiringLineRadio.com. We'll be right back after this. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks, boomstick radio. You know... For the last almost eight, eh, a little bit over eight years here, one of our longtime sponsors has been Vince Torres over at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Now, you need to head on down there for your firearms. You need to get the small arms, big arms, all kinds of arms over there at Bullseye Sports. Get your ammunition. Get everything you need because, frankly, um, items are scarce. So shop early, shop often to make sure that you get there. Now, once you've got your firearm, you need to sign up for a Certified course over at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Going by memory here, folks. 951-823-0211. Get yourself a certified safety firearm course so you know the safe use of that firearm. And that's what we're all talking about here today with CCW Safe. CCWSafe.com. I have Stan Campbell, Don West, and Rob High here with me. We're talking about 
how to stay within the law, all the many laws, especially here in California, and keep your family safe. Rob, we want to talk a little bit about defensive display, otherwise known as brandishing here. So can I bring you on? Absolutely. Um, the, the biggest deal for, for us is, is making sure that our members, um, our followers, understand they have an obligation as the firearms carrier. Um, it comes with a great responsibility, and part of that is understanding the laws where you live. Um, they vary so drastically state to state to state. Um, as can, can be even county to county. Yeah, county to county. Absolutely. It sure can. Um, And you can get something that is is really kind of just a a inappropriate display of a firearm. But some of them go all the way up to to aggravated assault just for the display. Um, I think it gets into on some of those the actual pointing of. But there's reckless conduct with a firearm. they it just there's so many variations and it can be anywhere from a misdemeanor to a felony crime and let's let's, let's talk about some here. of the simple some of the the what would almost be a benign i mean could somebody be uh considered brandishing just because it was visible was uh, it the rude display i mean what exactly is that it goes into how you do it um and in some states just merely the fact that i kind of raise my shirt up and show you okay, I've got a gun. Um, you better have some other articulable facts that you can give to a police officer to, to justify that action. Um, and the other thing is, is we've all talked about it at, at length. Um, and it's something we always try to kind of invoke critical thinking from our members. Um, once I display that, that's like my, that's my final card. I mean, we've gone from an emotional argument or something like that, or just a misunderstanding to all of a sudden I'm showing you, I got a gun. You know, that doesn't justify shooting somebody because we have a disagreement over something and all of a sudden somebody's pulling a gun into play and, and it becomes really touchy from there. So what about an incidental uh, you were at Smart and Final and you reached up to grab some paper towels because they actually had paper towels uh, and your shirt raised up and somebody saw you had a firearm. How is that treated? Um, somebody call in? Somebody could call in. There's lots of people that are just merely offended by the fact that you own one. Yeah. And it's one of those that you got to be really careful with. Well, you know, it's funny, Phil, before you jump into the next question, you know, um, back in 2013, I did some bodyguard work, you know, back when we first started CCW Safe there in L.A. And they made me get an open carry license as well and a guard card. And they said the open carry was just in case I'm somewhere and my shirt accidentally comes up. And that was to protect me from because they would consider that open carry in some of the counties there in California, which I thought was bizarre, but people could call in on you and they could try to charge you for that, for that display there in California. So about that time, there actually was this movement out here, which I fought against greatly. Um, It was an open carry movement. These guys had this idea that because in California, they hadn't changed the law, you could carry an an unloaded weapon on your side. Now, 
I can't think of a more useless thing to do, but these guys were, you know, why would you need that? Well, let's say that you're hunting and you have a firearm on and it's, you know, you're in and out of the truck or whatever. It's, that's really what it's for. Um, Open carrying on your hip or under your arm and unloaded weapon just seems like somebody's going to hit you from behind. Anyway, I don't like the idea of it, but they were purposely pushing law enforcement into corners to make them all come check so they could constitutionally show that we had this right. Well, that took about 30 minutes until the California legislature decided, well, we'll just make a law and make that illegal. Then now nobody has open carry, right? In California. And, and that's, you know, when you push a legislature that's already um, got guano for brains, they, they are going to just continue down that road. And then, then you've got to have a $10 million fight in the courts to try and settle it. And you got the ninth circuit court of appeals. It's, you know, don't know what you're going to get out there. So open carrying, I've never thought was a good idea for defensive purposes, especially here in California, given it's given it's uh, proclivity to just cause you more issues than you need. Concealed carry, I think is great. I always like to have the wild card in the group. If you know, you're at a church, service and there's 15 concealed carry guys in there that's that's a pretty well defended place and no one even realizes it so that's the way i like to see things done but anyway that's a personal choice on that so yeah that's interesting story that you had there um one of the uh don you had a definition of brandishing or defensive display could you share that with us no sure i'd be glad to phil uh first of all um crimes uh have to be specific and people have the right to be on notice what those crimes are. So uh, the crime of brandishing, like any other crime in the penal code, is specific through legislation. And you can usually find the penal code in any state. It's usually a chapter in the book of statutes that will identify each criminal law violation by a code number and then a very specific definition. Usually that definition is broken down into elements and that before someone can be convicted of that crime, the prosecutor would have to prove each of those elements uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. That statute gets sort of transformed into jury instructions. And when the jury is deciding whether the evidence is sufficient to convict someone, they'll track through each of those elements and decide if the proof is sufficient. If the proof fails on any one of those elements, then the crime isn't proven, even if it may be overwhelming on other elements. So if we're going to talk about brandishing in particular in California, then we would look at the California Penal Code. And specifically in California, it's Section 417. So... If you look at that code, then you're going to see specifically what the elements are or what the specific circumstances are in order to commit that crime. So we'll look at it. First of all, uh, brandishing by definition is drawing or exhibiting a firearm or a deadly weapon. Uh, Secondly, in California, it has to be in the presence of someone else. So in other words, if you walk out into your backyard and wave your gun around and there's nobody there to see it, then you haven't violated this particular statute. That doesn't necessarily mean that if you do it in a crowded place, but nobody notices that you haven't committed the crime. 
but it requires that this act be in the presence of another person. Uh, in addition to exhibiting it or drawing it, you have to display it in what the statute describes as a rude, angry, or threatening manner. So, for example, if you and your buddy are somewhere out and you want to show him your new firearm, you can display, you can um, exhibit the firearm for that purpose without uh, crossing the line on the statute because you aren't doing it in a rude or threatening manner. Would it help uh, if you, uh, when you're doing that, if you did it with an English accent, that always seems more polite. I mean, just before the duel? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's basically it. Actually, while we're talking about it, you can also commit the crime of brandishing in California by using a, a firearm or a deadly weapon in a fight or quarrel. But what we're really talking about is displaying or exhibiting it in a rude or threatening manner in the presence of someone else. For, for instance, now, I, I bought a, well, you know, we're going to come to a break here, but I'll, I'll tell you about a situation I was in just yesterday. And uh, hopefully I was not rude about it. So that's a pretty fun thing. <laughs> Don't worry, Stan. No one's going to call you. We're good on this. Folks, Philip Damon, Firing Line Radio Show. Check out our podcast at firinglineradio.com, firinglineradio.com, and go to ccwsafe.com. We'll be right back after this. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. I hope you're having a good time here because we're talking about some very serious issues. We want to make sure that you are safe and that you are protected. I know that sounds like a commercial for something else, but we're not going to talk about that. So <laughs> I've got Stan Campbell on the line with me. Stan Campbell from uh, CCW Safe, Don West, and uh, Rob High. Now, as we left our last section here, I was talking about a situation that I found myself in yesterday. Yesterday, as I was recording this, now a gentleman wanted to sell me a firearm, so he drove over here. He opened up the back of his uh, whatever it was blazer, and he had this beautiful Dan Wesson forty-four Magnum in there, right? So we're looking at it in the back of this in in a parking lot outside of the building that I'm in right now. And I was very aware that you know there could be people walking by, and this is not something to want to see. So again, that's. That is not a rude display 
of a firearm. It was not an aggressive display of a firearm. It's just, there's a firearm. These guys are looking at in the back of a truck. It never, we never turned around and said, wow, look at this. I'm dry firing on built. No, nothing like that. Right. You're looking at it. And, and, uh, but, but that is a situation that somebody could call the police on. Right. And so you're sitting there talking about it. Wow. You know, it's got an eight inch barrel stainless steel. All of a sudden somebody rolls up behind you, you know, you just, California, you just need to be aware of what's going on. That's that's all I'm saying on that. And and uh, do whatever the police officer says. So true. anyway, so that was yeah, that was my uh, my little thing there yesterday. I want to talk about, but uh, Don, if you want to go over if there ever is a good use of defensive display or a legal use of defensive display. Oh, sure. Of course. In your example, though, Phil, just now, the defense would be that you did not display the firearm in your scenario in a rude or threatening manner. And that would be a complete defense. Uh, The prosecutor would have to convince the jury beyond a reasonable doubt that the display was rude or threatening. Otherwise, that element fails. And regardless of what else is going on, you wouldn't be convicted because there was insufficient proof that it was rude or threatening. Usually, though, that's not the defense, Um, although there could be a defense, for example, that the gun you had was not a real firearm. That doesn't necessarily get you out of hot water because there is a statute that allows people to be prosecuted for imitation guns as well, but it's a different statute. But they would be used in a threatening manner. Right. Like somebody tries to rob a rob a store with a fake gun. That's still an armed robbery. Oh, yeah, that's that's a different discussion. But even if you're the guy who's waving the gun around in the bar and it's proven or it's shown that it's not a real gun. That wasn't me. That was not me. (laughs) That's not what I heard. But we don't have to go there today. I I do want to point out, though, because we talked about what the elements of a brandishing type charge are, the drawing or exhibiting a deadly weapon or firearm will limit ours to firearms in a rude or threatening way. And we've talked about some scenarios where that could be the case and some where it wouldn't be. But all of that is qualified in the statute, as it is in virtually every jurisdiction where I've looked at this stuff. And that is that the brandishing act, the display in the threatening way, is not in self-defense, which basically means that, yes, the law contemplates there are situations where you can exhibit, draw, display a firearm in a threatening manner, but be otherwise legally justified in doing it because it was in response to a legitimate threat of some sort. So the... Legitimate threats. So if I can kick this over to Rob, then Rob, you're an expert in use of force. So what are, what are some legitimate threats? What would you consider legitimate threat? Well, somebody has to, has to have the means um, uh, that the assault itself is just the verbal statement. Um, But there's so many factors that, that play in to self-defense things. Um, It'd be really hard for for somebody to to come up and and do something to uh, my daughter. She's she's small in stature. She's she's not big and strong, even though she's she's young. Um, but 
a small grown woman um, is is going to have a much lower threshold than if you were to come up and threaten Stan. You know, Stan's a big guy and and can handle himself. And uh, there, so there are things that have to be present that you can articulate and and explain your actions and your fears. Um, those are those are really important important parts of that. Yeah. And then, Phil, you know, um, and we all know the areas that we don't really get ourselves in trouble is when you and someone's trying to rob you. They have a gun and a knife, a baseball bat. And they're threatening to hit you and they're within, you know, that distance to, to, to cause you death or great serious bodily injury. Um, th- that's not when everybody gets in trouble because we already know. Take care of your business there. Don't allow the guy to kill you. Unless your name's Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes, <laughs> that, that, that's a longer story, but uh, but but still, but 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 even you know, Kyle, you know, you got to think about um, when you carry a gun, and I say this all the time: make make your decisions when you've carried a firearm the same as the decision you would make if you didn't have a firearm, and that includes not putting yourself in certain places. And I'm not I'm getting beyond the politics of it. But you have to think about spacing. You have to think about, you know, having some cover, you know, um, if it is just an argument and you have the firearm, you know, you're bringing a, a, a deadly weapon to the argument. Right. You have to, you know, the road raids scenarios. And, and, and these are the ones you get most often. We're not going to talk about the the ones that hit the the news, but we're talking about the road rage ones where somebody cuts you off. And instead of flipping them off, you decide to bring your gun up and say, try it again. Well, you're going to pull yourself into a, a charge and it could be a felony. And it's just by making bad decisions. So that's that is a very bad decision. Plan. Yeah. Very bad decision. Don't do that. But yeah, so, so those are the things where, you know, you really had to use your head. And then, um, you know, and, and we, we discuss this all the time as well as um, calling 911. It is so important. It, let, let's say you had a legitimate reason to display your weapon or, or point it at someone or go into a low ready, you know, and then, to, they, stop, and, they, and then they backed out and left. Yeah. They back out and leave. Well, you know, of course, and, and, and me and Don will, will, will argue this, but 95% of the time, we want you to call 911 and, and let them know what happened because if the other person calls 911 and, and Rob and I over 20 years in law enforcement, the first one calls 911 is the victim. So let that be you. Right. But of course there's that 5% that Don, you, you know, because we do have to go, I'm on the claims committee. And so is Don, when we get these things, we might get a cold call where we have to make a decision. Is it smart to call the police at this point? Right, Don? That's right. There are very limited circumstances under which um, the, the the member may have displayed a weapon under a, a circumstance that's a real close call, and you may not want to draw the attention to yourself by reporting it at that point. But that's really a very, very fact-specific scenario based upon exactly what happened at that moment. With the benefit of counsel, the best decision uh, is whether you're better off withstanding the heat that comes from reporting it, uh, as most of the time you should, or the chance that no one is going to report it, and then a sort of, you know, no harm, no foul. And that, it, that's tricky. Right. But if you can't withstand the heat of reporting it, 
you shouldn't have pulled your gun. That's that's right. And and, and there's many times that people will wait. They won't do, they won't they won't call us until they get home. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, you remove yourself from the scene. That person already felt like they did something wrong where it should have been just the opposite, where you should have removed yourself from the scene and de-escalated or created distance while the thing was going on. But you allowed your ego to attach itself to the firearm and you push forward and became the aggressor or you're right there in that gray area where you could get charged. So, well, you, you know, when you think about that, it almost always happens when someone displays or exhibits a firearm in response to a person that's being aggressive, but is not armed. So all of a sudden you've got a gun being displayed against someone who doesn't have one. And then, uh, and that's a very, very slippery thing, both legally and factually. Now displaying a firearm against a threat even a threat by someone that's not armed is not necessarily against the law. The actual display of a firearm is in most jurisdictions, not the use of deadly force. You certainly demonstrated that you are capable of using it, but displaying the gun isn't itself deadly force as it would be. For example, if you fired it, you shoot the gun and it's deadly force no matter what, but simply displaying it may not be, but that's a real tricky situation. Can you display it under the circumstances that you did? Folks, this is Philip Naiman, Firingland Radio Show, but right back here with my friends at CCW Safe, giving you great information and keeping you safe. CCW Safe, that's how safe. We'll be right back after this. Hi, folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. Life principles to live by. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firingland Radio Show. Check us out at firinglandradio.com for the podcasts. And with all the social media upheaval that we've been having, we are transitioning from Facebook. We're just not sure where we're going to land. We were moving to Parlor. That's gone. I think there's some other other uh, social media platforms out there. We're still trying to find uh, which way we want to go with that. So bear with us. You know, we're on that face fake book for a while. We'll see how long that lasts. So anyway, just be listening for transitions on that. But you can always get the podcast at firinglineradio.com. They are free this week. Make sure you uh, sign up for those. Joining me back here on the show, CCW Safe, the big gang. I have Rob High, Stan Campbell, and Don West. We're talking about how to stay safe, how to stay protected, 
And uh, we were just talking about brandishing. And that is something that is a very slippery slope because egos and the heat of the moment and unsure things happen. And frankly, police officers train for this all the time, but us as civilians, we as civilians out here, don't. And all of a sudden, your heart rate's 145. You got more adrenaline pumping into your system you know what to do with. You know, you've got a a situation that you have to maybe go hands-on. You don't want to go hands-on. You know, you can't retreat. Things happen, and they happen quickly. And so it's important that you have your wits about you, and you get that through training. You get that through repetition. Again, police officers train all the time for these situations. We don't. So it's something you should have in your repertoire. of understanding what to do in certain situations. So let me turn that back over. Let me, Rob, I'm going to kick it over to you because you're a director of training. What are some, what's some advice you would give the civilians? Well, again, like, like we had touched on, um, I think it's really critical that if it goes to a point that I actually have to show that I have a firearm to somebody, even if we resolve and, and separate peaceably and go our separate ways, I want to make that phone call to 911 in that instance because I don't want to be the guy that has gone into this thing. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, I, I get approached by two uniform officers coming up, you know, immediately asking to see my hands and what's going on. Um, you know, Stan touched on it. If, if I'm the guy that calls, usually as a responding officer, I'm looking at you as the victim right up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but also understand you want to keep that conversation pretty brief um, that that call to 911 is not a protected speech. That's going to be part of a case file. If, if it gets assigned to an investigator um, and, and the words you use are, are going to be important to you. So I want to, I want to put it out there that this, this threat, this assault, this thing happened to me. I had to do this. I've, I've managed to get away safely. Um, but this is where I'm at right now. Um, and I don't have to maintain, you know, 911 operators are really good. They're trained at keeping you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't keeping really you want talking to, and keeping they you want talking. To keep, keep talking. That's right. And every bit of that becomes a part of my case file. Um, and I don't want to say anything based on emotion or anything like that, that all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I was upset and all of a sudden this happened and that happened. And I would have shot that guy if he would have done this. Just limit your conversation. That falls right out of your mouth very easily. It does, Um, and it's and it's an emotion thing. We're emotional. We're emotional beings. Um, And And, 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 let me jump in real quick, sir. Um, Because, like you know, this is so important. This area right here. I I want you guys to understand before you call nine one one. Number one, make sure that you're safe. Um, If you had to shoot someone, you know, find yourself some cover. Um, you know, don't don't lose sight of the suspect to make sure that they're not going to, you know, reengage because it's not like television. You might shoot somebody once and they're going to get up, you know, on TV. You know, they never get back up, but you have to watch for that. And then and then second to that, because, you know, because I've had some, you know, I had a real violent encounter with myself, another officer being attacked by 10 people and and no and just almost think that. When you make your call finally, because you're taking care of your safety, that somebody else, either an earshot or an eyewitness, might have made the phone call before you. And it might be because in my case, although we were officers and I was defending myself, um, I had a gun out. And when they made the call, they said, 
a black guy just shot a Asian guy in the head. Well, I didn't. I punched him in the face and he, I knocked him out. But but they heard this bang. And <laughs> he would have rather time, been shot. Yeah. But by the time they hear the bang, they look up. I got a gun out because, you know, trying to keep the rest of them back. And they see a guy bleeding. So they assume that I shot him in the head. So when the officers got there, who knew me? And I'm talking I'm not I'm not talking regular citizens. These guys knew me, but they had tunnel vision. All they saw was a big black guy with a gun and they just said that he just executed someone. So they pointed their gun at me and I had to put my gun down as well. So make sure you listen to the police because it is a, a time where misinformation or not enough information is going to get you. And like Rob was saying, don't get pulled into staying on the phone because you're going to start second guessing yourself and start to, ex, you know, expand upon the story and start filling in the blanks sometimes. Can't and get you your words back. Yourself, yeah, absolutely. And and they will use those words against you. Sorry, yeah. Robin, get that in. No, that's perfect. And, and that's that's the 9-11 operator. Um, hey, what are you wearing? What, what happened? Tell me what happened. What happened next? What happened next? What did he say? What did you say? Those are the questions they're going to ask you. And the, you know, or even when the, when a detective rolls up, okay? So a detective rolls up and he says, hey, what happened, right? Uh, if you're a police officer involved in a shooting, they're not even allowed to ask you that question for, I think, 48 hours or something of that nature. Stan, I think right. I remember that from you. Yeah. Um, but as a citizen, no, they can ask you. They can use it, whatever you blab out of your mouth with uh, all that uh, adrenaline running through your body. They'll, they'll use it right against you. What yeah, happened? Hey, 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 hey Phil, let, let Don jump in on this because it's important for him, him to address speaking to the police without your attorney. Go ahead, Don. You know, there some people think you should absolutely say nothing no matter what, even if you're the person who directed the 911 call be made or even made it yourself, then when the police arrive in a self-defense situation that you should say, I know my rights, I don't want to talk until I have a lawyer. The, the other extreme is um, people think they can talk their way out of it, that if they only take the time and talk enough to the police that the police will be convinced that they were right. They won't be arrested. They'll police will apologize for the inconvenience and everyone will go about their business. Uh, my personal view, uh, it's not the only view, but the one I think is the most effective given what you've talked about, Phil, the adrenaline surging through your, your, your veins and the trauma that just having been involved in a deadly force situation uh, where you could easily have been the one who died instead of the other person that you had to defend yourself against, is to, first of all, assert that you acted in self-defense. This guy attacked me. I had to defend myself. Um, I will cooperate, but I'd like the benefit of counsel before I provide a detailed statement. That lets everybody know you were involved, you had to defend yourself, and that you are willing to cooperate, but now's not the time and place. You want counsel. You want a chance to you know, process what just happened. Uh, we also suggest that if there's evidence or people there that would be helpful to the police investigation, that you point that out. You know, the guy threw the gun under the car over there or that person over there saw the whole thing, that sort of thing. But don't sit and provide a detailed interview right then. Uh, right. Keeping in mind, too, there's probably two tiers of involvement. You've already had one with 911. Then there's two more. The responding officer. And then after that, the case, if it's going to be investigated as a homicide or a serious felony of some sort, there's going to be some detectives or investigators assigned. And Rob and Stan can talk to how that works internally. But um, 
we don't recommend that you provide detailed statements early on. Yeah, you know, and the main thing too, Phil, is that like like Don said, and and, and Rob will will agree with me. We pull up on a scene. It's funny when the when the cop cars show up because there's a huge crowd. When the cop car shows up, then people start to slide into the house and 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 back away. If you know that the guy in the red shirt saw the whole thing and you see him slide into apartment A and the investigators get there, don't assume that they're going to just do, you know, start going to knocking on all the doors. They're going to get the local crackhead to say that he thought he saw it and then get his his statement. And so you so you, you need to help. And if you can identify witnesses, say, yeah, that guy over there saw the whole thing, blah, blah, especially if it's good for your side, you know, um, make sure you get that done. And, you know, and finally, and I don't know if Don, you know, touched on this. If you have injuries, don't try to be macho, man. Get those identified. Let them know that you are injured. Say you want to go to the hospital and get those documented because that's real important. That's one of the things that kind of didn't happen in the Zimmerman trial. Right, Don? Did not go to the hospital. He was offered the opportunity and he did not, which was a mistake. Fortunately, there were some pretty good photos from the scene that showed his injury. Right. But otherwise, right. that opportunity would have been completely missed. And, and probably had a completely different uh, result for him. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. I want to thank my very special guests. I have Stan Campbell, Don West, Rob High, all excellent people involved with CCW Safe. How safe? CCW Safe. Folks, they're awesome. Check them out at ccwsafe.com. God bless you. We'll see you all next week. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. <laughs> When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.